morning good morning welcome to the show uh glad to have y'all with us uh been a long week but what a week and uh hope everybody's doing well uh listen i have to remind you because jessica's sitting over here saying to me that if i don't remind y'all to go to uh what's it called podcastawards.com okay podcastawards.com y'all y'all please vote for this show because uh she gonna make me say this every week because you know, it's open till July 31st, which is in a day or so. So she'll still make me say it next week and y'all be voting for something that ain't happening. So y'all vote today. All right. <laughs> um, listen, y'all, we have got to get politics out of things that it don't need to be in. I don't know if y'all were watching Mitch McConnell uh, do a press conference last week and was just standing there. And, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but. You know, people say it looked like he had some type of stroke, but he just froze for like 25 seconds. And these people just sat there while he's standing there staring in the space. And then that's not bad enough, y'all. They they took him to his office and then he came back out 10, 12 minutes later and said, I'm fine. And nobody thought to take this guy to the hospital or to have a doctor come in. And you know why? Because of, uh, you know, optics. And because of politics, they didn't want him to look weak. You know, he might be coming up for a reelection or something. But we got to we got to start making smart decisions, take politics out of it. If he was my granddaddy, I'd be mad as heck right now. I can't say hell because it's Sunday. Uh, oh, I just said it. <laughs> anyway, uh, y'all, somebody, somebody. Take that man to the hospital because uh, politics aside, you know, he's 81 years old. You don't recover from anything quickly at 81 years old. So there's no way whatever happened to him that he recovered in 10 minutes to come out and say, I'm good. So, all right, I'm done with that. I'm sure we'll do a Pittman point on it one day because there's a larger point to be made. But anyway, y'all, this show today actually is a really informative show. If you have ever, well, if you've ever been in court, uh, in family law court, if you've ever, you know, had the unfortunate, um, well, an unfortunate breakup, divorce, uh, m- baby mama drama or baby daddy drama, but in this case, baby mama drama. Uh, for years, decades, we've always been saying that the laws are just unfair. Now, I'm not saying that. I, I, I think they, I think they are, but <laughs> I'm not saying that. But that's been the commentary. That's what we've we've said. Is men, you don't have a chance when you get in these situations. Well, you know what? They're passing laws to try to balance the, the, the playing field. And I thought that it would be great to have a show where y'all can get really informed by brilliant people. And so I wanted to bring on two lawyers that I know, two of the best lawyers I know, who deal in this kind of stuff all the time and have for many years. Uh, I'm talking about attorney Nebra, Nebra Collins-Williams, who's a civil tri- trial attorney, 
uh, bankruptcy lawyer, has her own practice, y'all, in Tallahassee and Atlanta. Uh, she attended FSU College of Law, has been licensed for nearly years. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say, but a long time she's been she's been doing her own practice and doing her thing. Uh, Brandy Thomas is a managing partner of Akbar Thomas Law Firm, where she specializes in family law and personal injury. She's a graduate of the FAMU uh, College of Law and licensed attorney for nearly years. Okay. All right. Uh, they're young chickens, y'all. She's a lot younger. But listen, two great lawyers who I thought would be great. Y'all, just to give you some information about this thing called the Good Dad Act. And, Nibra, let me start with you. First of all, thank you both for coming okay. on the show. I really appreciate it. And I know Welcome. the men out here and the fathers and the ex-husbands are going to appreciate it, too. But, Nibra, give us some well, background on the Good Dad Act and how and how this levels the, the, the playing field for unmarried fathers. Well, let me just start by saying that I love this statute. I love not just this statute, but all of the statutes, the companion statutes that are promoting fatherhood. So there's just a little background. Um, apparently, there's a, a family law mediator. His name is Dr. Bernard Jennings. He was having some challenges with getting his parental rights with his son. The amazing part of this act is it gives... One, it alleviates the need to have to run to court all the time. Now, I know, Brandy, that's going to be a problem with us because it messes with our money. <laughs> but it places men on equal playing field from the get. If he signs the birth certificate, he's bad. And that's amazing. And it seems to be simple to people who have not been involved in litigation or who's not had issues. But it's not as simple as it seems because before this statute, men had to go to court, file a paternity action, get declared the father, get uh, shared parental responsibilities in order for him to step up and to be the, um, recognized as the father of the children. And to me, that was always, that was ludicrous. To wow. Me because it took two to tangle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so... That makes so sense. I, it, wow. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So so thank you for that. I think, you know, I think it for a lot of fathers out there, that is more than informative. Like you said, it's 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 a really good change. Brandy, talk to us. Uh, what was the law prior to the parental rights amendment and what what primary changes should our listeners be aware of now? So similar to and first, thank you for having me on the show. Um, but similar to uh, Attorney Collins, I absolutely love this um, this law. Um, I think it is really, really good for families. Um, but prior to prior to this enactment, it was you know just what Nebra said. Um, fathers had to petition to be the legal father of their children and and in some cases that's okay but the problem becomes when there are fathers who have already acknowledged that their fathers on the birth certificate um they've been taking care of their children the two parties have been working things out for months or years and then the wires get crossed and they're no longer cooperating and then the mom had all of the maternal all of the parental rights and the father had to do 
but jump through a lot of hoops to get to where they were going and get mm-hmm. to where they needed to be. So um, I think what really the listeners should know is that if you have a child and you're in an un, you know you're not married and you are intending to be a part of that child's life and you're there for the birth and you're going to sign the birth certificate, you are not only the biological biological but you are now the legal father. And that means that you can make equal decisions, you have equal input when it comes to time sharing and how your child is raised and the school that that those children attend. It this is so major for families. It's so major for fathers. I'm happy to um, I'm happy that we're at the state. I, I really, I truly am happy that this is where we are right now. I tell you what. I, and so, if I can add yeah, something else to that, go ahead, go ahead, Attorney, Attorney Williams, go ahead. I, and, I, and I apologize for interrupting you, but in effect, let me tell you a little bit of what Brandy and I see on a regular basis before this statute. Um, fathers only had the rights that the mother had given them. And so a lot of times, if the parties are getting along, mom said, okay, you can pick up the child from daycare, you can go to school to visit the child, you can come to the extracurricular activities. But if dad gets a new girlfriend or something happens in that relationship, mom decides that she no longer wants to give the dad those rights because she's the natural guardian. And so she'll go to the school and she'll remove his name, go to the daycare, remove his name, tell the coach that he's not allowed to come to the extracurricular activities. And that'll show up in his normal routine and he will be shut down, shut away. I'm sorry, you have no rights. And that's the hardest thing for men who've had a relationship with, with their children and all of a sudden the door is shut in their face and there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. And then, of course, they have to come hire us and it takes sometimes six months to a year before everything is followed. Wow. It's wow. heartbreaking. It's, 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 it's actually heartbreaking um, to watch it. And it's, but we've gotten so accustomed to this is how you do it. Um, you know, it's, it's just this is what we explain to them. Look, if you want the rights, you got to file the petition. And we've been doing it. So I think this is a real, you know, this is a breath of fresh air. This is interesting. Yeah. And I wonder, and, and, and Nebra, I wonder if. Do you ever, when you're, first of all, it's, it's it's so incredible and lovely, and it feels good to hear two strong women fight for men. So <laughs> thank you guys yeah. for doing that. That's that's so important. Yeah. As a man, yeah. I'm like, yay, I'm calling one of them. Okay. But Nebra, Nebra, help us with this, though. Do you ever, when you're uh, standing there and you're defending these men, do you ever get cross-eyed uh, with the for the the woman on the other side looking at you like you supposed to be down Let with me. Let me answer that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, Sean, if I may. Go ahead, Brandy. Go ahead. Question for Nebra as oh the, my God. an opposing counsel on many of Nebra's cases. Oh, I love working with her. I love working with her because I just do. She's very intelligent and she's also very common sense. Um, approach to litigating um, but she don't like foolishness Sean <laughs> and sometimes before 
before the courtroom shut down for a, a little bit, I just wouldn't look over on her side because she would be cross-eyed at the <laughs> at the mom or even the dad if they were coming out the pocket wrong. So I hate to steal your thunder, Nipper, but I think that question was more for me. I accept everything she did. She's absolutely correct. Well, but I'll tell you, Sean. With this new litigation, I think, you know, we talk about leveling the playing field. I think what it's going to do is it's going to take away that control. A lot of this litigation um, is about control. You know, if you tell me I'm the natural guardian of this child and I get to determine when he gets to see his child, he's going to only see the child when I'm happy and when I want him to or when I need a babysitter if I'm not thinking in the best interest of my child. Now, women are going to have to pull back. And we're going to have to say, uh-oh. And, that's, you know, I know everybody knows there's other litigation out there that talks about the new presumptive 50-50. But all these changes in the law is causing women to have to pull back and now consider more the best interests of the children instead of their own personal motives or their jealousies or their emotional responses. Now the law is not necessarily going to favor you when you get to court. So you need to, you know, pull it back a little bit and start to be more reasonable. And if that's the only thing that's accomplished by these statutes, I'm good. Well, this is thank you. Thank you guys for your candor here. Right. Because I, I do want to educate folks. I'm, I, you know, I laugh about some of this a little bit, but, you know, it's been a long time. And I think there was a time in history where, you know, the courts needed to favor women because mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. were they weren't like women today. Right. They their passions were being in the home and being in the schools and and it and it already set an unlevel playing field. Right. Because the men were out in the lucrative jobs and 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 putting everything in their name. And then, you know, so there were some realities that led to the law being Mm -hmm. in balance. So would you but but can I get you all to admit, though? So if we if we say historically it's not just thought of, but but pretty known that the court favors the mom particularly when we come to custody is that true and yes and 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 that, why is that it, it, it actually is true um so at one point and don't have me pick the year but at one point the doctrine was the tender i think it was tender age doctrine where the courts basically looked at you know, a young child needs the nurturing and care of the mother. A lot of, for a lot of the reasons that you said, you know, they, the women at some point were at home, they were homemakers more. Um, and not that they're not now, but it was, um, it was just the societal norm that the mom was the nurturer and knew what was best for the child. And, and, and so we kind of moved away from that. We moved to the best interest of the child where now we're not just looking at the actual parent, but we are considering, you know, several factors um, that would let the court know what is in the best interest of that child. Cause that's really the only important thing here. And then like um, Nibra was saying is that on top of this best interest of the child um, standard, you add on top of that where now it is written that it's in the best interest of the child to have a relationship, to have a bond with both parents. 
because we know the societal norm now is that families are truly important. We've gotten away from that. We need to start doing things to, to get back to that and making families whole. And that looks like having the, the child, it, that looks like the child being at its best, his or her best, when he or she has a bond and has the ability to have both parents in their life. Wow. And so yeah. that's truly, truly, I mean, that, that, that's just the, that's the evolution. And we're here at this point now where we get to say, just because you're not married, doesn't mean that you don't have the same equal rights to the child that you help create. It's wonderful. Wow. Yes. You know, Nebra, you brought up House Bill 1301 earlier, right? I mean, um, and mm-hmm. I think it, is this partly what Brandy is talking about, the impacts of parenting and time sharing to, to minor children? Yes. And I don't know which one I like more, the the Good Dad Act or the House Bill 1301. I know that both are going to be amazing for men. With the House Bill 1301, I think most people re- recognize that as the 50-50 law. And so now, as of July 1, uh, it's presumptively in the best interest of the children for the parents to have equal custody, 50-50 custody arrangement. Of course, it's rebuttable, but the evidence to rebut it is akin to abandonment, abuse, neglect, that stuff that we see in our DCF cases. So it's hard to rebut the presumption. But it also does a lot of other things, like it makes it easier for the fathers of the past who do not have 50-50 because it's not the law. Now when you file for modification, the law makes it easier for you to go from a 30% time-sharing schedule to a 50% time-sharing schedule because it removes that unanticipated. It used to be that the changes had to be unanticipated. Now you don't have to jump that hoop of proving that it's unanticipated, so now you you can find any, almost any reason to get back in court. And when you get in court, you say, okay, I want to take advantage of the 50-50 law. Give me 50 equals time share with my children. And so it's a, it's a lot of facets of House Bill 1301. But everything recently that uh, Governor DeSantis has done has benefited men. Well, I'm not going to say everything, but there's three legislations that have benefited men and I use the term game changers. These laws are game changers. They're going to be game changers for men. It's going to be game changers for the children. It's going to be game changers for the litigation. I went into a, I, I've litigated two cases, two trials under this statute, 1301 statute. And I coasted in there. I just walked in and I said, Your Honor, the presumption is in my favor. My client is fit. I'm going to let the mother prove to you that my client is unfit. And if she does not prove that he's unfit, then I get 50-50. Wow. And that's how the judge treated the case. And we walked out with equal custody. Wow. And so it's it's, it's going to make our litigation, yeah, it's going to be great. Wow. Let me ask y'all this, though. And, Brandy, maybe you can lean in here. How does any, does any of this relate to child support? Does anything change with child support? Well, yes. Um, But because child support in and of itself is calculated based on the, based on the different parties' income and their amount of time sharing, their amount of custody. So, yes, things will be recalculated. 
Um, and that's also another reason why this is a great bill. And, and because we're talking about dads right now, so I'm leaning in on all the wonderful things it does for dads. Um, but, you know, and there are situations, Sean, and Niebuhr will agree with me, there are situations and there are times when, you know, these dads should not, or, or there are mm-hmm. times where dads should not have 50-50 time sharing or there needs to be litigation about whether he is fit to parent. So with that caveat being said, yes, it will it will change the amount of child support that goes from one house to another home. Um, but it's still... It, 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 it still overall adds up, you know, because you're spending money on your child when that child is with you and the other parent will have to do the same. So, yes, but that shouldn't really be a, and we've seen it, Niebuhr will agree, we've seen it yeah. where the reason why the children cannot, you know, the, the parents will not agree or the mom will not agree to extra time with dad because the child support amount will change. Um it will, it will be decreased coming to their house. And it's just, it's ludicrous that we have had to deal with this for so long and we've made the best of it. So, um, but yes, to answer your question in short, it will change the child support calculations, but it's still based on the party's income and the amount of time that that child spends with each parent. Wow. Okay. All right. And I think, Sean, the, ahead, the, uh-huh. I think the agency that's going to get hit the most it's going to be the Department of Revenue cases, because if you're yeah. familiar with, you know, the public welfare system, uh, public assistance program, the Department of Revenue will represent the Title IV clients. They will go get child support established by the father, father pay child support, and some of that money is returned back to the state. Well, the judges have been doing 50-50 for, for years. I mean, this is not anything new. It's now the law is consistent with what the judges have already been doing. But the end result of it is, if there's a public assistance mother who would come into court without any time sharing in place, and her child support was, say, $400 a month, and now my client, the father, has equal time sharing, in that same case, even though the guidelines would have given her $400 a month, she may not be getting anything. If their incomes are the same, she would get zero child support, if his income is higher than her, she may get $30 or $50 or $100. Well, if $400 was going to the mother and a percentage of that was going back to refund the state, now the mother's not getting anything. There's no money going back to the state. To the state. Mm-hmm. Wow. And also okay. that mother and these mothers, their minimum wage or imputed minimum wage, even though they're having the children less time, they still need money. And so they didn't, but they're not getting anything under the guidelines. And so it's going to have a great impact on those clients, those Title 40 clients, um, people, you know, on the public, um, public assistance program. It's going to hit them hard, and it's going to hit that Department of Revenue funding hard. And I always tell my clients, let's get it while it's good, because when the law starts, the law may start changing when the budget starts changing. Yeah. So let's run up there and get this 50-50 while going. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to pay attention to that because I don't know whether that's an un- you know an unintended consequence that may you know may cause them to have to go back and do some glitch work. Um, but we- we'll have to pay attention to that. I, I wanted to ask y'all though, mm-hmm. um, as y'all have been in these practices, and I-, I love when you talk about 
clients that you've represented and judge judge a judge ruling on on on, on decisions um, related to the to your clients. But I wonder I, I wonder this when you think about this outside of the legal piece and you think about just just overall times that we are living in, is this a product of that marriage isn't what it used to be and now you really have to make some decisions that deal with what we are seeing and that is a lot of unmarried people are having babies. I mean, is that what Bernard Jennings was impacted by and why he might be happy today? Don't don't go at the same time. I was just, I didn't say a name because I just wanted to see who might jump out there at that. (laughs) I mean, we both probably got a lot to say. So the short answer, my short answer is yes. Now, I will leave my personal opinion um, regarding marriage and the importance of marriage and having kids out of that, if if that was leaving my opinion out of it. But um, I do believe that it was a reaction to the times. I do believe that there are... Um, a lot of children that are, um, you know, conceived in, in, in unwed relationships. And, but there's, even with all of that, even if I, I would, I, I would love to see the family unit together in the same house. I would love that. But even with, even with that, I still believe that children benefit more from having a relationship with both of their parents and their parents' families. It's not just like like when you when you hold a child from one parent, it's not just that parent, it's the whole that whole side of the family, that whole kinship that they're missing. And so yes, Sean, it, it, this is the times that we're in, but it doesn't mean that we should be blind to that and just keep operating, you know, with blinders on and, and pretend that, you know, things are just going to, you know, get back to the way they were 40 years ago. Wow. No, I, I appreciate that. I agree, what with do you think? I agree with Brandy. And I'll just say this. I, uh, what, first thing I'll say is I have more of these paternity baby mama, baby daddy drama cases than I have divorce cases. So that says something. Secondly, when I represent a husband in a custody litigation, and I represent an unwed father in the custody litigation. I get the same thing. I don't see, these are fathers who are genuinely interested in their children, the best interest of their children. They want to have more time with their children. They want to share the decision to make it. They're the same person. But the law was giving the husband more rights, you know, from the get. Just because he was a husband, he had a marriage license than this other father because he was unaware. That never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. They were the same person. They had the same relationship. Their children were conceived in the same fashion. I didn't understand why the law didn't match up with reality. And I think with these changes in the law, it's more consistent with the real world. I don't need a marriage license. I never needed a marriage. I've been married and I've been the unwed mother. I didn't need a marriage license to be a mother. Why does the father have to have a marriage license to be recognized as a father? Wow. He's the father, yep. just like I'm the mother. Wow. And so I'm glad that this legislation has caught up with reality. And it's a, it's a win-win. It's a blessing for all the 
all the fathers, not just the unwed fathers, but all the fathers. Because now, I mean, I used to say, I'll be honest, I used to say a man should not have any these natural rights, because there's natural guardians, unless they've had to care of babies for 40 weeks. So we, we're entitled oh to that natural oh guardian statute because <laughs> right. we had to get fat, we had to go through the morning sickness. That's why I used to say, Sean, this is when I was, you know, 20-something years old, never had any children, yeah. and didn't have the, the husbands and the fathers. I didn't have to deal with that. But now that I'm older and wiser, I'm, I've, I've grown up and I've changed. And so, yeah, okay, y'all may not have carried the babies, but you all entitled the same rights as we are when the babies are born. All right, all right. Listen, we're going to... We're going to leave that there because I think those are two great notes to leave on. I will say this, though, to fathers and mothers listen to this show. Wow. Right. Wow. These are two ladies who know what they're talking about and who have lived it. And now sharing it with you, uh, Attorney Nebra Collins Williams. Y'all can Google her. You can look her up. She's in Florida Anna, and Georgia. Uh uh, listen, uh, Attorney Brandy Thomas, who's right, who's in Tallahassee as well with the Akbar Thomas Law Firm, and they are bad, and they know what they're doing. And so Google them, look them up, and if you don't need them, just thank them for this education today because this has been really, really informative. And all you have to pay for it, all you have to pay for it, is go to podcastawards.com and and vote for best podcast right here. That's that's all you have to do to pay for this. But hey, ladies, seriously, can y'all come in the studio sometime? Because I think this is this education is something that just our people need to hear, and they need to hear it informally like this. So and not just when they're under the pressure of you know being in the situation. You hear better when. You ain't got no troubles, right? Um, I would love to get y'all in. I know how busy y'all are, but but will y'all commit to just come in at some point? Maybe we do it once a year or something. This would be awesome. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. We would love to. All right. Listen. And we will even take Officer's side. She'll be representing women's issues. I'll represent the men's issues. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. Uh, listeners, stay with us for a short Pittman point right after this. It's time for Pittman's point on 96.1 Jams. Welcome back to the show. And now it's time for the Pittman point. When media outlets break headlines about a shooting, y'all, or someone uh, on social media shares that a loved one was wounded or lost their life due to gun violence, there's a common reaction that has become far too common and, y'all, I think incredibly scary. You know how, you know the reaction. Just another day in, well, just another day in whatever uh, city or county or state that you live in, right? This response suggests, y'all, that that many of us are convinced that there's little that we can do to change gun violence. Uh, Dr. Paul Slavic, a psychology professor at the University of Oregon, says the more who die, the less we care. In fact, as more people die from gun violence and the number of lives and lives in danger increases, we tend to lose feeling, uh, lose feeling anything at all and value the loss of additional lives even less. The immediate reaction uh, to yet another shooting may be just another day, but it doesn't end there. It's not that we don't care. People are more engaged on the issue uh, than they ever have been before. It's that we've let it go too far, y'all. Florida is the 19th highest rate of gun violence in the United States. When we feel like we can do something to create change, we do it. 
But when we feel ineffective, then after a while, we become desensitized because it's painful to keep watching these stories over and over again if we think nothing is going to change. So the Pitman point this week is gun violence can feel too big and too powerful to stop, but don't be numb to it. We can choose whether to do something or do nothing. So people keep pushing, keep pushing for gun legislation. Keep being an agent of change in the community. Uh, Keep supporting our law enforcement as they try to make efforts uh, to reach our young people and to move the community forward. And y'all stay open hearted to those who grieve. Gun violence is not uh, too big for us to take real, meaningful action. We are not powerless, y'all. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.